Hello, what's up everyone? Ryan Satin here. Happy Saturday. I feel weird recording one of these on a Saturday afternoon, especially when I'm all hyped up after a pay-per-view. I'm not used to having a Saturday morning pay-per-view. People miss Saturday morning wrestling and I understand why now. It's nice to start your weekend with a with a lot of wrestling and good wrestling too. Like this was a good pay-per-view. This was a good event. I say pay-per-view. They're PLEs now, whatever, premium live events, excuse me, I'm old school, pay-per-view, apologies, but this was a good show, dude, I really enjoyed this show, I felt like there was a lot of good stuff that happened throughout, a lot of proper decisions that were made, um, one that confused me, but there's there's a lot to discuss here, there's going to be there's gonna be a lot to discuss Throughout this episode, I told you if you listen to the SmackDown Roundup, I was going to be doing one of these, and I'm trying to do them after pay-per-views. Going forward now, it's just like I had said before, if you listen to the show, the past couple pay-per-views, like my sisters had weddings, or there was all these important things going on that I had to do, but now I can finally do these, and I'm excited that this is the one to start with, because <clears throat> Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns, what a fun main event. Um, I, 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 I enjoyed it so much. Uh, it's one of, I like when I'm lost in a match, when I'm watching a match and I can, can just get lost in it and I actually can believe the, the near falls and, and such, but we're going to get to that. That's the main event. We got a lot to talk about first. Let's start at the beginning of the show. Let's not start at the end. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Let's first start with what the show began with Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. Lashley attacks Brock ringside to start things off, but Lesnar eventually gets the upper hand and hits an F5, which Bobby kicks out of. Lashley later gets Brock in the hurt lock, but after almost passing out, he uses the corner to push himself back and get the pin. After the match, Lashley Puts the hurt lock on Brock again until he passes out. But Brock gets the better of it. Bret Hart style by pushing himself out of the corner. I think it was a shorter match than people expected. I think it was a less definitive finish than people expected. However, it was still entertaining for what it was like. You know, Brock is so good at selling that he can make... You look like such an animal if he sells right. He can make you look like you beat the crap out of him because he's such a dominant performer, such a big guy. So when he's selling for someone, it really means something. And the fact that Lashley got so much offense in in this match against Brock, and for the most part, he kind of dominated Brock in this match. And that was really good for his future going forward. I think we needed that. I think we definitely needed that but I don't think this is the definitive ending that I would have liked to have seen you know we still got Survivor Series coming up we've got pay-per-views ahead I don't see this being the end of this we saw um if you if you follow WWE on social which I'm sure if you listening to this you do but you might have missed it during the show there was a promo they had Bobby Lashley do backstage with Brock or with uh, Byron Saxon talking about the Brock match and his character was so pissed off and talking about how you know he had been talking about this for years and now when it was finally time to put his money where his mouth is he failed and this was a huge failure for him and he was freaking out and he was pissed and he was talking about maybe he would quit um, and then he threw his towel and walked off angrily into the night 
but I really liked how how uh, it it did leave things open for more because if the next time now Bobby actually you know is the one to defeat you know does is able to defeat Brock in this feud he will gain a lot out of it especially with the years of talk when it when it comes to Brock Lesnar so I enjoyed the match for what it was um, when it said that it was going to kick off the show I I had a feeling that might mean that it was a shorter match than people would have liked but it does still kind of like keep your appetite there for another match between them and I think people would like to see it again it was definitely um, a spectacle seeing you know two buff guys like that just you know battling in the ring against each other Um, I liked it Next, we had Damage Control versus Alexa and Asuka for the tag team titles. But first, there was a pre-match interview uh, with Alexa and Asuka. And at one point, Bray Wyatt's logo flashed on the screen next to Alexa while she was talking. And she looked freaked out by it. So I'm wondering if this means we are maybe going to get some follow-up to that at some point you know I'm looking at it we're gonna get to the Bray Wyatt thing later but it's like it does seem like this character we're watching now is trying to move forward and this Uncle Howdy character wants him to return to his past he wants him to put the mask back on and so um it seems like whoever it's it seems like Uncle Howdy and whatever is possessing Bray Wyatt, that's who's actually doing these little flashes on screen and stuff. It's not Bray Wyatt as we see him now. It's this Uncle Howdy. Whatever's going on, however it's happening, whatever money Howdy is paying to the production team, these little flashes uh, seem to be coming from Uncle Howdy, not necessarily Bray Wyatt. So it would seem as though Bray... uh, And it does seem like Uncle Howdy has a connection to the fiend he wants Bray Wyatt to become the fiend again so Uncle Howdy has not forgotten about what Alexa Bliss did to Bray Wyatt so maybe not imminent but I do think that it's possible we're gonna eventually return to that at some point you know Alexa had told me on Out of Character that when she was doing stuff with Bray Wyatt that she wanted to go even darker with her character than she was able to do and so because of that and because of the creative um, changes that are, that have happened, and I, I'm actually, you know, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, <laughs> but I'm actually kind of intrigued at what that might look like, Alexa and Bray Wyatt doing a thing again with Triple H at the helm. I wasn't feeling it before, but it does seem to be like, a th- it, it does seem as if, Triple H is giving a little more creative freedom to Bray Wyatt. And if Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss can kind of craft this themselves a little more with Triple H's help, with the creative team's help, um, I'm kind of interested in what that would look like if they could have like a a makeover, a do-over with, with their duo. Uh, this was a banger match, though. Damage Control, Alexa, and Asuka. Banger match. Like, I, I think it was better than I would have even expected. I think they exceeded expectations. Very good match. The crowd was super pumped up. Uh, very entertaining. And the finish saw Nikki Cross interfere and attack Alexa Bliss, which allowed Dakota Kai to get the pinfall for damage control. New champs, 
damage control, two-time champs now. So basically what I wanted to say about this is if you take what I said during the Raw roundup this week, just forget about it. Because <laughs> just completely forget about it. Uh, clearly uh, my complaints were unimportant because the titles are immediately back on damage control. Good call by Triple H. Guessing they just wanted uh, a title change on the show, give the crowd something to pop for. So, um, you know, basically uh, what I'm trying to say here is <laughs> sometimes as an analyst or a podcaster where you have to do a weekly show, you're not necessarily able to just let it play out. <laughs> you still got to talk about it. <laughs> so this is one of those cases where uh, I guess I should have just let it play out and see how it goes. You got us, Triple H. You got me in any way. Next. Well, I don't actually, before I go on, I, I do want to say here, I, uh, damage control has to be in the War Games match. It's got to be damage control, Nikki. So that's what? Three, four, and someone else against... Alexa, Asuka, Bianca, Candice, and someone else. I don't know. I honestly don't know what Becky Lynch's status is. Becky Lynch would fit perfectly in there, though, if she was able to wrestle again. I don't know if she is, but she would fit perfectly in there if she was able to wrestle again. Just because she got taken out by damage control. You've also got uh, Charlotte on the sidelines, who I think could be coming back anytime now. I'm not exactly sure there either, but... Even though she's on a different brand, you could use her in that spot. Who wouldn't love to see a flair in a War Games match in 2022? That'd be cool. Um, so I, I feel like that's where this is all going, and I'll say it later, but I almost wonder if it's like every title is on the line or something. I know that it's tough because it's five on five. Got to figure out how that works, but, but um, either way, Smart to put the tag titles back on Dakota Kai and Io Sky, and it just makes them seem uh, even more silly and in, in a way that you'll want to boo them when they are calling themselves two-time champions. They are, but it's going to be very heelish since there was like a couple days between reigns. Next, there was Karrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre steel cage match. Cross hits the cross hammer and attempts to climb out. Drew suplexes him. Suplexes. Drew suplexes him back in. Then Drew almost uh, walks out of the cage, but instead he gets pepper sprayed by Scarlet. Intense pepper spraying too. She was just getting all up in there in his mouth and his nose. She just re she just really went for it there. Um, Cross then uh, tries to climb out, but he uh, but Drew. Somehow still stops him, even when he's got all that mace up in there. Well, I, I'm going to say I'm going to stop myself with the macing and tell you a story in a second. But uh, Cross tries to climb out, uh, but Drew somehow still stops him. He fights through the pepper spraying and hits the claymore. Uh, Scarlet then locked the door so Drew couldn't get out, but McIntyre started climbing out instead. So Scarlet quickly tried to unlock the door so that Cross could climb out, but it didn't work. And Drew beat Cross out of the cage. First, let me tell you a story. Since I said Mace so many times there. And they said Mace so many times during the broadcast. I didn't 
for a long time, I didn't realize that Mace was a brand. You know, like Kleenex or Band-Aid, Googling, where it's like something that just kind of became universal, even though it's the name of a brand. And I only learned this because one time I wrote Maced in an article, and then the company Mace reached out to me asking me to change it to pepper spray, the actual term, because there was no way to prove that they were using a Mace product, and they didn't want to be involved in it. And I thought that was hilarious because I didn't know that Mace was a product name. I thought it was, or a brand name. I thought that it was like just slang for getting pepper sprayed. I thought, I don't know, I didn't even know where it came from. So little lesson there if you didn't know that yourself. It's not a, it's not a slang term for being pepper sprayed. Mace is an actual product, is, is an actual brand, excuse me. Back to the match, though. Sorry. There's your little, the more you know for for the, the day. <laughs> but as for the match itself, you know, I think now in seeing this, I was thinking about it before because I was thinking, man, this has to be the one where Drew McIntyre gets his win back a little. But I don't think this is the end. You know, I saw a backstage interview on WWE Social with Drew McIntyre after the match where he said for him this is the end. But I don't think this is going to be the end for Karrion Cross. I think he needs to get the final victory in this program to get off on the right foot in WWE. And so we've had the the strap match. We've had this cage match. I think we're going to have to have one more blow off at War Games, some kind of other match. Maybe just a non-gimmick match. Just one more just between them, just the two of them. And at that point, Cross gets one more win and they're able to move on from each other. But even still, if it isn't, if this is the end, if they're a feud, if they have moved on from each other, cross the heel. At the end of the day, heels are also supposed to lose in, in these feuds. So not going to hurt him too much, and he didn't get pinned. He didn't get pinned. It was just Drew McIntyre climbing out of the cage, and almost at the same time as Cross. So really, he loses nothing here. They could technically both move on from this. And nobody loses anything, but I do think if they continue it and Cross gets one more win over McIntyre, he does gain a lot more. Uh, how many matches do I have left here? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm just trying to think if I should do. Let's 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 go to a quick commercial break, and then I'll be right back with the rest of the show. Okay, so next was Judgment Day versus the OC and AJ. Rhea was ringside with her hair like Beth Phoenix, and it was uh, said that she told the, the broadcast team that it was a tribute to the late, great Beth Phoenix. Michael Cole also mentioned Bullet Club during the match, which was surprising. Now, let me, let me uh, separate those two things here. You know, I was thinking, I've been, we've, been talking on, we've been talking on this podcast about, I say we, I look at these as a conversation with you, whoever is listening, even though you're not necessarily talking back to me. I feel like you're there. I feel like I'm having a conversation with you because sometimes I'll say something and I almost feel like I can hear you call me on my BS or call me out or say something back to me or be like, what does that mean? So I do feel like I'm having a conversation with you who is listening. So that's why I say we. We have talked on this podcast uh, about how the OC and AJ have been talking, I guess they're all, the OC and AJ, they've all been talking about 
needed an equalizer against Rhea Ripley, and we've been guessing maybe possible free agents that are out there. We've kind of covered a few possibilities. But Beth Phoenix wasn't one that I had really factored in. While watching this match, though, and seeing that she's still keeping that Beth Phoenix stuff alive, I almost wonder if that will be the equalizer. The other option is that this was done in Saudi Arabia so that they could plant the seeds for the next Saudi Arabia show and do Rhea versus Beth there. Also a possibility. But I can't decide which one I think is more possible. (laughs) I think Beth being the equalizer for the OC and AJ would make the most sense even though Edge isn't there right now. I think you could easily explain why she would be their equalizer and it would work. And then at the end of this, Edge comes back. He finishes his stuff up with the Judgment Day and moves on, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Also, Michael Cole mentioning the Bullet Club during the match. It kind of feels like, and I know the Bullet Club has been mentioned like on WWE Network programming before, when that was still a thing. But... The fact that Carl Anderson couldn't defend his title in New Japan because of Crown Jewel makes me think that we are going to see some sort of work between New Japan and WWE. We've seen Nakamura and Noah. Well, we've seen that they're doing that, where Nakamura is going to have a match in Noah against Great Muda. I'm guessing Carl Anderson is eventually going to have to go to Japan and drop his title. So, I do think it's going to feel like a crossover of sorts, but imagine how wild it would be if there was some sort of crossover between New Japan and WWE. I don't know if there will be, um, but it did seem like they were working with AEW, New Japan, and I, I, so I don't know. I don't know. If New Japan is doing stuff with both, that would be wild. I, I, that would be very unexpected. I do think at least we will see Carl Anderson back in New Japan to drop the title that he currently has, though. The finish of this match saw Rhea Ripley interfere, which then allowed Ballard to hit the coup de grace for the win. Next, Omos versus Braun Strowman. This match begins with a test of strength and Omos getting the advantage. Omos talked tons of trash after that while dominating Braun and tossing him around. But Braun eventually made a comeback and hit an impressive running power slam on Amos for the win. My main takeaway from this match was seeing how much love almost was getting online. A lot of times in these almost matches, you'll see a lot of haters on social media or people being like, no, oh, he's not very good. Oh. But that wasn't the case with this. There was a lot of people praising him, a lot of people saying the trash talk. Made him look good. A lot of people saying he really held his own against Braun out there. I mean, the fact that he was making Braun look small and still, you know, doing, you know, impressive stuff with him looked amazing. I mean, when he was tossing Braun around the ring, I was just like, holy crap, this is nuts, dude. Like, Braun Strowman's a big man, and he's just tossing him around that ring like nothing. Um, 
it just showed you just like how physically imposing he really is. Very impressive. And I think that this was definitely his most impressive match yet. Braun really made him look good and vice versa. Uh, Amos made Braun look good because even though Braun was getting dominated, when he came back and, and fought back against the, the, the monster, or excuse me, the giant, he's the monster of all monsters. But when he was fighting back against a giant and just, you know, looking like it was easy for him to lift a guy who's nearly 40 pounds and run and power slam him. It just was, it was just amazing. You know, we've seen Braun Strowman do things in the past, like tear down the raw set or, you know, lift all these things that were impressive. But like, honestly, just lifting a guy that size with ease was one of the most impressive things he's done yet. So I had said, you know, before I wasn't maybe necessarily feeling this feud, but the match itself was old school. I was really into it. They both really held up their end of things, and it was a fun, fun match to watch. Next was the Usos versus the Brawling Brutes. We got an update before the match that Jay apparently might have a broken wrist, so that's a bummer, but that also means... Excuse me, but that also means that the New Day are more likely to win the tag titles on SmackDown next week and keep their record intact not sure if it's legit or if that was just done as a as a way of giving that out to the usos for the new day match not sure however i do like where uh i i do like that it 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 seems to be pointing in the direction of new day defeating the Usos for the tag team titles. But hopefully, it's just a worked thing. I hope it's... I don't want to say it like a positive thing, because I hope it's just a worked thing to give an out to the Usos so they still seem real dominant when they're at 100%. Hopefully, it's not anything too legit that, uh, you know, is going to keep Jay out of action for too long, because he's been so good, uh, including in this match. I mean, to me, also, it was really cool to see the former Pete Dunne doing his thing on the main roster with a top-tier team like the Usos the Usos all like at this point it's like the Usos just like don't have a bad match when you're like when you're tuning in and you know that that it's a tag title match you know you're gonna get some heat when the Usos are in that ring and like having two guys on you know two guys on the other side of the ring like Pete Dunn and Ridge Holland was actually interesting to me because we've seen the Usos with like every team in WWE but to see them with a team they haven't tangled with as much was cool because Pete Dunne is so talented like we know just like I'm saying you know you can expect the Usos to to bring some heat in a tag title match Pete Dunne is also one of those guys excuse me Butch Butch is one of those guys who also rises to the occasion Butch is someone who we've seen put on five-star matches at TakeOver we've seen excellent stuff from him so I was really excited to see him on the opposite side of the ring as the Usos, and they really lived up to expectations in this match. Uh, The Usos hit a double splash from two turnbuckles, but Ridge broke up the pin. Ridge hit a white noise on Jay for a very close near fall. Ridge and Butch also hit their tandem finisher, and it actually was like one of the most believable near falls in the match. I, I, for a minute, thought they were actually going to lose the titles, uh, but Jimmy... Broke that one up as well. And the finish saw the Usos hit a 1D on Pete where Jay lifted him up from the top rope. And he got 
slammed down by Jimmy with that cutter. One, two, three. Loved this match, though, dude. Like, I think I would, you know, I wouldn't have had any issue with the Brawling Brutes winning the tag team titles here. I think they've been getting over with audiences, even without Sheamus there. Pete, Pete is no longer. You know, the, the the name change isn't hindered, has no longer hindered him. He has owned Butch in every way, shape, and form. And he's almost made it work to him where he kind of like has the hat on when he comes out, but he immediately is in his old form once he knocks it off and he's doing his thing. So um, really enjoying the, what the Brawling Brutes are doing. So I wouldn't have had any issue with them winning the tag team titles. I'm almost wondering... If the if the War Games match is going to be the Bloodline against the Brawling Brutes and New Day, that'd be kind of fire. That'd be kind of good. I feel like those teams would all kill it in there. Um, that's 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 kind of what I'm leaning towards. I I think I'd I had been thinking that it was going to lead towards Kevin Owens being in that match since he had been kind of calling out Roman Reigns. But ever since this Sami Zayn honorary ooze stuff started getting over, Kevin Owens has kind of uh, been nowhere to be found. So I almost wonder, you know, I'd seen reports that kind of like held off on what they were going to do with him because the honorary ooze stuff was, was getting so over with audiences. So I think they're going to hold off a little longer on whatever they had planned there, which is why we haven't seen Kevin Owens. So I no longer think that he's going to be on the other side. And so the Brawling Brutes and two other people does make the most sense to me with the way things have played out on TV. Next, Bailey versus Bianca Belair in a last woman standing match. This match ruled... So good. I would say it was the match of the night, but then there was the Logan Paul match too, and it's I just can't choose between Logan Paul and Roman Reigns at this one. Both great for their own reasons, and this one was really great for innovative factor. You know, we've seen so many last man standing matches over the years, but I really liked how these two went out of their way to try and do some different stuff in this match that maybe hadn't been seen in past last man standing matches to keep their opponent down. They have the advantage of being a little smaller than maybe some of the others in last man standing matches we've seen in WWE. Um, but this was cool, dude. Like I, there, I also like there was a cool spot just as a Jeff Hardy fan. There was a cool spot where Bailey uh, did the running off the barricade thing and jumped off onto Bianca. I like that. Especially cool knowing that she's a huge Hardy Boys mark. I also liked, like I said, some of the innovation and how they tried to do things a little differently and trapping their opponents. So I liked Bianca trapping, excuse me, getting trapped in the steel steps. It looked cool when Bailey shoved the steel steps up against Bianca and the ring and then put a ladder on the top part. So she was like stuck in like a steel birthday cake, you know, and someone's going to pop out of a cake, but this one was made of steel and it was more difficult. So it was, it was more work for her to get out. I also enjoyed Bianca getting stuck in the production bin um, and and almost, you know, Bailey almost getting a 10 count on, by, by doing that, but then Bianca popping up at the last second to, to, to knock her off. Uh, Bailey locks in the bank statement at the top of the ramp. 
And while the ref was counting as Bianca tried to regain her composure, Bailey showed up with a golf cart out of nowhere and attempted to run Bianca over with it. Bianca moved, though, and somehow they ended up on top of the cart fighting. Bailey got in- incapacitated, and Bianca drove the cart to the ring with Bailey on top of it, then parked next to a table that was ringside. Bailey grabbed Bianca's hair, but Bianca used that to take her momentum and toss her off the golf cart towards a table, but they overshot the table and Bailey hit her head instead on a little bit. Bianca recovers from this, though, by powerbombing Bailey through the table instead. Somehow, Bailey still gets up, though, so Bianca tried to hit a 450 from the top rope on top of chairs, but Bailey moved and Belair went face first onto them. Bianca eventually still hit the KOD through a chair, though, then trapped Bailey in a ladder under the bottom turnbuckle so Bailey couldn't get up, and Bianca Belair won the match. The EST of WWE retains. Great, dude, like, this was so good. Like, all that stuff was so entertaining to watch. Had me on the edge of my seat type stuff. I really, I really thought that Bailey was going to win this match. You know, I tweeted after the match saying that. I, I I did really expect Bailey to win this one, but I do have faith in Triple H having a greater plan for her. And I realize that's hard to <laughs> that sounds silly to say when the title should be the grand plan, but I do think that there's a greater plan for for Bailey. Triple H has always known the value of Bailey as a performer, and I think this is leading this will hopefully lead to something that in the end tells a greater story overall. And look at what it does for Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair is a superstar, dude. Like nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, but the way she has impressed on a consistent basis, the way she has stepped up to the plate as champion, the way she has presented herself, the way she makes the company look, Bianca Belair is such a superstar and the fact that she is still retaining every time you think that she's not gonna retain will will help her legacy in the long run a lot of times we look at John Cena reminds me almost of a female John Cena where no matter who gets fed to them you know the the this person eventually is gonna get the best of them no matter who gets fed to them no matter who seems like they're gonna they're, they're gonna beat them Cena always overcame. Bianca always overcomes. She's starting to be like the female John Cena in a way to where she's just the 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 person, you know? She's I, I was going to say the man, but the, the the Becky Lynch is the man. She's the the the, the woman. <laughs> you know, like Bianca Belair is one of the top stars in the company at this point, but also just the way that she is you know, presented as an athlete, as a superstar, is working on every level. And I really do think that Bianca Belair is going to go down as one of the all-time greatest females in WWE history. So really cool that she won here, but I really do hope that it's leading to maybe like all the titles being on the line, like I said, at Survivor Series. And Damage Control wins, and Bailey gets the title that way. Because Bailey needs to be champion. I know I just said this glowing, all these glowing things for Bianca Belair because I am. I am such a huge fan of Bianca Belair. But 
I think Bailey needs that title. So I want to see where this is going. I have faith in what Triple H is doing. I want to see his master plan. So all I'll say is I enjoyed the match because I don't want it to be like the Dakota Kai, EO Sky title change where I, I could have just let it play out, but instead I was mad. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna act mad. I'm not mad. I want to see how this is gonna play out. Next. Bray Wyatt made his entrance, and Wyatt mentions on the microphone that he comes from a prestigious wrestling family and that all he ever wanted to be was great. Quote, I had to be the greatest of them all. Says he did what he thought he needed to do. He gave in and made a monster of himself and says that he wore that mask with pride, but it didn't take him long to understand that while wearing the mask, he no longer felt pain or was afraid. The mask, he was completely untouchable, and that type of thing feels good. Sensations like that are just about impossible to quit. The monster destroyed him, though, and ran off everyone Bray Wyatt ever loved. Bray says he's back, though, to rewrite his story. That's when Bray Wyatt gets interrupted by Uncle Howdy, who asks why Bray Wyatt wears a mask, a mask and asks if he thinks they'd all love him if they knew the truth. You're going to give in, so why wait, he says. Then you'll remember how good it feels. And then he adds, if you're worried about the aftermath, just don't take the mask off this time. Tell me I'm wrong. I truly don't understand why people think that this Uncle Howdy character is anyone but Bray Wyatt. Like, it sounds exactly like Bray Wyatt... It's clearly Bray Wyatt talking to himself. I don't understand why people think it's Bo Dallas or, 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 or you know, any of these people, uh, Winda, you know, the 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 Windoms of the world, like any of them, I, his family members. I just don't, I just don't see it. I, I, it to me, it's very obviously Bray Wyatt talking to himself. And like I said before. Whoever this Uncle Howdy is in his head, it does appear to me like this is the part of his head that wants to come out. That wants the fiend to come back. That wants whatever he used to be to come back. Whether that be Swamp Bray or Fiend Bray. But it does seem like it's leaning more towards Fiend Bray. Like I said earlier in the show, flashed up on the screen when Alexa Bliss was there. Talked about wearing masks and how the mask made him feel good. There's been flashes of the Fiend mask when he's talking to Uncle Howdy. Uncle Howdy wants the Fiend to come back. And I keep wondering if the name Howdy has any connection to like Howdy Doody since since um, it, that was a morning show and... Bray Wyatt's Funhouse was like a morning show vibe, if there's any connection there. But it does seem to me like the point of this is that Uncle Howdy wants the Fiend to come back. And Bray Wyatt doesn't want to bring him back because he just wants to be himself and show people he can do it as himself this time. I'm into that. And I saw a lot of people saying online to me, uh, you know, what about the wrestling? And it's like, well, he's a good wrestler, but like, don't isn't it cool to also just see cool stories like why i mean like yeah he's gonna wrestle at some point but i do like the idea of the fact that like he's wrestling that he's right now 
The person that Bray Wyatt is wrestling is himself. He's wrestling with his brain. And I'm super into that. Lastly, the main event, Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul. The match began with Roman obviously not taking Logan seriously and laughing off his attempts at offense. Logan came back with a nice sequence, though, that included a leapfrog, an arm drag, and a clothesline, which sent Reigns over the top rope to the floor. The action was ringside. Uh, while the action was at ringside, Logan hit a great looking crossbody off the barricade, then threw Roman in the ring to hit a clean-ass buckshot lariat. This was one where Twitter blew up when he did this. You know, the fact that he made it better looking than CM Punk when he tried it or uh, others. I mean, he he's read three matches. That's not an easy thing to just do a springboard maneuver like that. Like we saw when someone else tried to do it, not as good. Um, Hangman does it great, but the fact that he was able to do it on par with Hangman, and I saw people even saying it looked more devastating than Hangman's, and I'm not saying that. That is not coming from my mouth. I just saw it in my replies a lot, but the fact that people would even think to say that is wild. This was only Logan's third match, third match, second singles match. And this man is doing buckshot lariats. To me, I think I, I, I feel like that's a little bit more advanced of a move. He reminded me a lot of uh, myself in video games, in the WWE games. I'm not saying me and Logan have anything in common. I mean like the, the video game characters I make for myself because when I make video game characters on WWE 2K, the creator wrestlers, I love those springboard moves. I'm all my wrestlers running at the ropes to do springboards. He's doing the one where he's just standing next to the rope for springboards. I'm getting out on the apron to do springboards. I'm a springboarding machine in WWE 2K. And so I really appreciated a springboard based offense from Logan Paul throughout a lot of this match. Reigns eventually grounded Logan a little though. And used that time to call out other YouTubers like KSI and Mr. Beast, which was funny. Logan then hit a Superman punch on Roman shortly after that, which caused Heyman to start freaking out ringside. And then Logan attempted a rough-looking sweet chin music that Roman Reigns reversed. The action spilled out to the floor again. And Logan cleared the Arabic announce table to hit a frog splash on Roman through it while holding his phone for a selfie. I could literally hear Theory screaming from the locker room all the way over here in California from Riyadh. Uh, gimmick infringement! What the hell? But it really did look good. It looked good the way it, the way he did it. I was like, man, this man properly framed, him, framed himself in a video while hitting a frog splash to the outside props. And also, man, if, you, if I was in a match and I could do that, I totally would because that'd be the coolest video to have ever. Uh, the Usos then ran out to check on Roman Reigns, but instead pulled Logan's co-hosts over the barricade and hit them both with super kicks in the ring. The second guy sold the hell out of it. Props to him. This prompted an entrance from Jake Paul, who had music, Titantron, everything. Uh, he walked to the ring, took out both Usos with punches. 
Logan then threw Roman back into the ring and hit another frog splash, but it only got a two count. Now, I'd already had people texting me about how impressed they were with Logan at this point because honestly, like, some of these maneuvers he was doing in the match, yes, I realize basic, but doing them clean without looking nervous against a guy like Roman Reigns who is the top of the industry, that's impressive. I saw people even after the match in other promotions, indies, tweeting their support for Logan Paul and how they thought they, that it was impressive what he did. I saw Will Ospreay tweet about this match being awesome. So really cool to just see him doing so well. I mean, you wouldn't have... I, I don't think that you that anyone would have expected him to have taken it this seriously up to this point. And so, like, he's just, like, really impressive. Like, he's wrestling better than some people who have wrestled on the indies, I bet, for a long time would do in that position. And I don't say that to disparage anyone, but I do think that he is earning the money that they are paying him. He is, he is proving his value each time he's in the ring. And I'm almost wondering now if at WrestleMania, rather than it being Sammy versus Sammy and Kevin Owens versus the Usos, which is where I kind of thought all of this was going to go with Sammy, I'm more wondering now if the move is the Usos versus Jake and Logan Paul. Because I think Jake Paul has to run through Solo Sokoa first, spend some time doing that. Maybe at Royal Rumble, maybe Survivor Series. I don't know, but I think that's a WrestleMania thing, so you got to wait. But I do think that Jake's going to work his way through the bloodline next, since we saw an appearance from Jake. Because Solo Sokoa hits, his, uh, the music of Solo Sokoa hits, uh, and he comes out. But he only has a face-off with Jake Paul. Uh, the officials separate them. Then right after that, Roman hits a Superman punch and a spear for the win. So it does seem like they're setting up Jake Paul to have to work his way through the bloodline. Seems like Solo Sokoa is going to be next. Then maybe the Usos with him and Logan. Then eventually the Tribal Chief next time they're in Saudi Arabia sometime after WrestleMania. That's the vision I, I, I could see here for these Saudi Arabia shows because the Paul brothers seem to be super over out there. This crowd was cheering for him way more than I would have expected even before he was impressing in the ring. They were on his side from the opening bell, which was very surprising. I'm not sure it would have necessarily been the same way out here. Not sure the crowds would have been as on his side as they were in Saudi Arabia. Because they were hyped for him, dude. And, and rightfully so. Like He really did step up to the plate and prove that he could hang with the top wrestler in the industry. Bottom line, I mean, you, you you can't deny that. You know, I think that whether you want to be mad that he's in this position way before, you know, people who spent a lifetime in, in, in wrestling, but the guy is a big name and he's put the work in. You can see that he's put the work in. He's had a better match. There are people on the roster who, 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 I, who he's had better matches than. That's crazy, you know? So... I'm not saying a lot of them, but there's a couple, and that's crazy. I mean, Logan shouldn't be as good as he is. He shouldn't be able to hit that frog splash as clean as he does. He shouldn't be able to hit a buckshot lariat. Um, at least his super kick wasn't clean, so people on the indies can can at least 
uh, hold on to the fact they do a better super kick. But I don't even think, I don't want to act like it's an indies versus WWE thing. Because like I said, I saw a lot of people on the indies that were giving props to this guy. You got to give props to a guy to a guy who does that. They wrestled for 25 minutes. Singles match. Third singles match. He didn't look gassed by the end. He impressed a bunch. People were entertained. He gave them their money's worth. You can't hate on the guy for that. I want to see him in WWE more. I have no problem with more Logan Paul in WWE. Jake Paul needs to work on his worked punch a little bit, but there's time for that. There's time for that. Uh, All right. I'm going to finish up here. I'm wrapping up. I'm done with my crown jewel roundup. Make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast feed if you're listening. This is your first time listening to the show and you're you either saw me on social media promoting it or somehow searched on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, came across it. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. And if you enjoyed it, if you listen all the time and you enjoy my conversations on here, if you enjoy my roundups, please leave a rating or a review. It helps out the show very much, and I read them when I can on the podcasts as well. Also, make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character every Wednesday morning. That's where it premieres. Don't be mad at me, but the next episode is going to be a best of episode. I've been working on a few things, but we'll be back strong the week after with another interview. Don't be mad at me. Just it is what it is. (laughs) But that's where you can find Out of Character Every Wednesday, you can also find clips from Raw and SmackDown, clips from Out of Character. There's YouTube shorts. There's a community tab. There's so much happening on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel, so make sure you're subscribed there. And also, also, make sure you follow at WWE on Fox on social media, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Go follow us on all of those platforms, even if Twitter is seemingly not what it once was, rapidly becoming a different platform. Anyways, I'm not going to rant about that. Let's get out of here. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been a Crown Jewel Roundup.